Nevers podcast this week, we're revisiting Joss's comments about the Nevers, reimagining Buffy the Vampire Slayer with its original casting, and revisiting the pilot or episode of Buffy. We'll also be discussing when filming will start up again for the Nevers. Hello everyone, I'm Tyg and welcome to the Nevers podcast, a podcast dedicated to the discussion and dissection of every episode of the upcoming HBO series, The Nevers. An original sci-fi drama epic from writer, producer and director Joss Whedon. If you'd like to follow us online, you can visit our website at hbothenevers.com. We're also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and YouTube, simply at hbothenevers. You can also stream our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, SoundCloud and pretty much anywhere else you can stream podcasts. Joining me today are Dennis and Gina. Hey. Hey hey. Hey, things are things are all right. I was uh just narrowly avoiding power outages all week. Um what? <laughs> oh, uh, uh PG&E shut down like the entire San Francisco Bay Area their power um because <laughs> of wildfire risks. So I was um luckily right outside of the power outage zones, but I thought I was going to lose all my power. It was crazy. Well, that's fun. Uh, yeah, that wouldn't have been very good. I heard the craziest story today. Apparently the appropriately named firehawks in Australia grab burning sticks from wildfires, fly them to other areas and drop them on bushes to start fires. Because when they do, all the rodents run out of the bushes and they're easier to grab and eat. It's just proof that literally everything in Australia wants to kill you. (laughs) That is is insane. Yeah, it's the weirdest yeah. story, but apparently it's totally true. It's wild. That's like uh, Prometheus's pet bird or something. <laughs> uh, indeed, pyromaniac's dream. Okay, now it's time for the news roundup. Actress Amy Manson, aka Malady, posted a photo taken by Joss of herself recording ADR, that's additional dialogue replacement, for episode one of The Nevers. There are many reasons to replace or augment audio in films or TV production. Noisy, unintelligible audio when recorded on sets, adding extra lines, all that sort of thing. What's curious about the photo, though, is the timescode on screen has been blocked out, either by Joss or Amy herself. It makes you wonder what's so important about the duration of that episode that it needs to be kept secret. Is it an extra long episode? Or maybe a two-parter? Who can tell? And speaking of tweets, Joss tweeted that Lisi Lasek is going to be the editor for The Nevers. Long-time Whedon collaborator Lisi Lasek will, to the surprise of no one, be serving as senior editor on The Nevers. Lasek first worked with Joss during the sixth season of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, editing episodes flooded, once more with feeling, wrecked, dead things, and hell's bells. Arguably, some of the standout episodes of that season. She also edited five episodes of Firefly, Doctor Horrible, The Cabin in the Woods, and both of Joss's Avengers films. That is quite an interesting piece. I do like his quote here. Lisa Lasek is a heart surgeon. Whenever she cuts, it beats stronger. That's a good quote there. So do you guys have any thoughts on either of those points? So I was lucky enough. uh, She was doing a panel at USC a few years ago talking about her editing process in the Avengers. And I was lucky enough to be in the audience and like, a, she's a genius. B, she's so incredibly sweet. She she <laughs> she was talking about a story about how Tom Hiddleston was always in the editing room with her, just like hanging out, just like watching it because that's how much he like <laughs> loved that film. <laughs> and yeah, I don't know. I am I am so happy she's doing the Nevers. Like I'm not surprised at all. Like I'm surprised we haven't talked about this because like of course she is. But like I can't even believe this news. So yeah, I can't even talk about it. <laughs> and it was one of those things where we all sort of took for granted to be part of it but it's nice to know that we were right in assuming that and she will she is going to be here she, like he's now pretty much got his whole dream team together he's there we've got Lizzie Lasek editing and then you know all the rest of his amazing crew that are all coming along 
he really is throwing everything at this show. Which gives us, you know, a little more confidence, right? Like, he wouldn't ask her. I mean, obviously, he would ask her if he was doing anything, but clearly he's taking this seriously, obviously. And mm. and again, I'm always going to say this, but the more um, women working on this show, the better. So it's super cool that she's another one. And then uh, Amy Manson's social media post. So I love how, like, conspiracy theory this feels. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what, yeah. Do you, what do you guys think about that time code? I, I honest, Honestly, I wouldn't read too much into it. I mean, it could mean anything, but it's probably just, like, you know, you don't want to share any more information than you have to, really. Um, <laughs> so I, I like the conspiracy theories, but just, like, coming a little bit from the other side of it, it probably doesn't mean anything yeah. while i would really like there to be some greater meaning behind it all i have a distinct suspicion a lot of the speculation around the grayed out time code is just because we are so starved of information for this show that we will latch onto any tiny glimmer of hope that something <laughs> it's i mean it's very possible they've just kind of hashed it out because it's like one hour 30 or something and they don't people think oh wow is it a double episode no it's just an episode that ran like it's a ran long they're going to edit it down to 40 minutes right, right. or they, they stuck it on the end of an existing tape because they wanted to just you know save a bit of money or something right there's a million reasons why the time code could have been black we out. could get da vinci code about this because the the 44 is not hidden that could mean mm. you know, let's <laughs> let's look at the bible at uh, verse 34 of, uh... it's entirely possible that it, the code was like 069 or something they, they didn't want to get hit with a strike for nice. new material yeah exactly <laughs> 420 oops black that out <laughs> but it is weird that <laughs> the first number is blacked out and then the last part is and only the middle isn't that is weird Mm. I'm just giving. What it is to so it. special about 44? Exactly. Uh, I would think the 44 is actually the minute code. Okay. Um, that that would make so, sense. I, don't know. I reckon. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it's the maybe it's the button. Maybe it's the tease. She just her character just said something real creepy to, as the twist. Ooh. Okay. I like that. I like Could that be. theory. <laughs> it's, it's worth noting for all you that don't have uh, social media. The comment she's put over the picture is what the. Did I just ADR there? Hashtag Joss Whedon, you master. I really, really cannot wait for you all to see this show. And then she's tagged us at HBO The Nevers. Hashtag The Nevers. Uh, cool. And then Jody M. Coma. I may have read that wrong. But the, the takeaway from that text is that clearly whatever Joss has just sprung on her there is a little, a little surprising. So I'm hoping that there's some big twists coming and not just from the timestamp on this picture. What I love is, like, obviously actors and actresses that are a part of something, they want to hype it up. They're also excited they're a part of something. But it just feels, and maybe I'm biased, it just feels like everyone that's commented about this show is just so passionate and so beyond excited and, like, grateful. And, yeah, I don't know. It just feels like there's this magic that's different than other things like when I've seen other like actors post about social media about the project they're currently working on, this just feels different. For sure, yeah. Like you see a lot of people tweeting kind of after the fact about how great the family was they worked with, etc. But I can't think of many shows where before anything has even aired, and it's not just Amy Manson. Other people have tweeted out, other actors have tweeted out for this show, like how crazy the script is and how amazing the the sort of the journey is, and how they can't wait for everyone to see it. And there does seem to be a lot of anticipation, even among the cast, yeah. for this show. Which, I mean, that's that's pretty cool. <laughs> right? It's getting me quite excited. Yeah, they they feel like they feel like fans just like us, which is the best feeling to have for them and for us, because that means we're super excited because they're excited. It's always good when the cast and crew are like are as invested in the show as the fans will be because it i do think that when you're making a real labor of love like that it comes across on screen and a lot of the best shows are made by casts that are as big a fans as the fans are the next topic revisiting joss's san diego comic-con comments about the nevers try saying that five times fast Via Polygon.com, when asked if the name of the series was a reference to Peter Pan, Joss clarified, 
it was more meant to evoke the sort of attitude of these women have certain afflictions or abilities or skills. Something is changing, something more than just the end of the century, and it feels terrifying to some. The name spoke very plainly to the idea that we are upsetting your idea of what is and what is allowed. He continued, It's gotten a little strange in the last few years. Sometime around 1895 it started getting a little warped, and now there seems to be a gathering and a purpose and a very strong reaction about that. That is a great freaking quote. He really is a master of words. How can you sort of fault anything said there? It's like, while in general that paragraph is just amazing, I love all of that. The bit that really jumps out and just grabs me by the fandom is that last line. And now there seems to be a gathering and a purpose and a very strong reaction about that. The idea that it's not via chance that all these nevers are suddenly in the same place at the same time. The touched are all there for a reason that may be larger than what we can see right now. I also love, um, I don't know if we've really talked about this, but the whole... It's gone a little strange in the last few years. Some Sometime around 1895, it started getting a little warped. That's very interesting. Mm. So I wonder if that has anything to do with the powers they have or why this story is starting at this time. Indeed. Also, that I don't know about you, but that says to me that the events that cause the touch and the events that kind of kick off everything that happens in the show... Yeah may have started prior to the show beginning. We're not seeing the beginning. We're not seeing the right, origin right. story of the touched right now. We're kind of we're skipping to the end, to the bit where it all goes right. a bit squiffy. Which I think is a very strong it's a very good plan because I don't know about you two and you know the our listeners as a whole, but I'm getting a little bored of origin stories. Like I, I I can't see Uncle Ben get shot any more times. I can't see the Waynes walking down Murder Alley again. Nothing against Joe Chill. You're great. Keep up your work, but do it somewhere else. I want to jump in right to the action. I want to see when the shit hits the fan. I want to be right there. Yeah, I agree. And I think I was going to bring this up later when we start talking about um the buffy unaired pilot like i like that but even buffy isn't an origin story because there is an assumption we've seen the movie you know right right and, and it's weird for me because i'm a sucker for origin stories I actually like it, it's really important to me to see how someone begins but knowing joss he's the perfect person to not start in the beginning because you know we're gonna have amazing flashbacks and information is going to be revealed at the perfect time that we didn't know about this character before mm. so i actually don't mind a joss whedon property not starting in the beginning but but that that brings me to what he said that i find so interesting is that so we're not starting starting with their origins so so something has to start the story of why he's choosing to start it at this time in their lives. So that quote about 1895 and something's warping, like, that's so interesting to me. Like, I wonder what it is that makes us see them at this time of their life. Mm. If, you know? if we're not going to get an origin, what is the catalyst going to be? Yes. What, is, what, what is the spark that starts the fire that is the Nevers? Oh, man, I can't wait and, to find out. Mm. And 1895, that's a very Sherlockian year. Um, <laughs> so if, if anyone doesn't understand, there's a famous poem about Sherlock. And one of one of the lines is, and it is always 1895. <laughs> and it's just talking about basically about Sherlock and John and their relationship. And But yeah, that's interesting that Joss chose that year. Either he's doing it on purpose or he's just a big Sherlock fan, which I'm sure he is. Yeah. <laughs> definitely more reason to get conspiracy about that than there is about the 44 timestamp i, I really yeah I, I think we've, we've covered it before many times in the podcast but i really can't see a series with a sort of sci-fi fantasy edge taking place in that era and not including you know, a bit of penny dreadful of you know maybe have mary shelley or lord byron show up just to to freak some people out for an episode or two i'd love it if the sort of the maybe not the primary antagonist but at least the kind of a a recurring villain was kind of a, a dark cabal of twisted horror authors, kind of. So that was the, the, the whole story about how uh, Mary Shelley came up with Frankenstein after a dream she had at a sort of party with Byron. Like, if that group were there, but instead of just talking about, instead of coming up with their idea for Frankenstein, they were actually making Frankenstein and then 
letting him loose or uh. Frankenstein's monster before we get any credits and any comments. Another fantastic quote from our boy Joss via IGN.com when talking about the name for the show. Says, they themselves are not called that in the show. It's a phrase that's meant to evoke a sort of reaction to their oddity, to what is considered unnatural. The idea that you should never be like this. You should never have existed. Something is not the way it should be, and you don't have the right to have whatever weird power or ability that you have. And that idea that some people are not of the natural order is fascinating to me. I don't agree with it, but to me, it's one of those things where you take something negative and you wear it as a badge of honour, basically. Certain things could never happen. Well, they're happening, and the people they're happening to are taking their place in the world. I can definitely see some some parts of this probably being used in kind of a giant villain monologue where probably the uh, either the evil surgeon or the admiral guy are kind of railing against the touch, like, you should never be, you should never have existed. It's got yeah. that kind of, that grandstanding monologue feel to it. It also is that, uh, I only, I'm only thinking of this because um, I just did a parody kind of of it for my other podcast, but Buffy's speak in, uh, speech in Checkpoint where she's like, it's about power. Who has it? Like people are, you know, if you're one of these touched who has the power that feel people that the establishment feels you shouldn't have, their quest is always to take it from you. Again, I just love that because like all good that deals in the past and, and when they bring in topics that everyone's going through now, most most good art does that, obviously, but it, it's nice to have even more reassurance about the fact that Joss is definitely going to do that. And there's no way he wouldn't have, but... Mm. Again, I just love the way he worded it, and I think it's going to mean a lot to a lot of people. I really hope so. I hope it isn't kind of, not taken out of context, but sort of twisted into a way that wasn't the way he intended it, and it's clearly not the way he intended it. I can't help but think of Black Widow's speech in Age of Ultron. Age of Ultron, yeah. I'm still still mad about that. A lot of people are. I'm still mad that people didn't understand that line, but that's a whole other... (laughs) It's a whole other thing. It's a subject we've been over more than once, so... Yes, Let's just... If you want to hear our thoughts about that, listen to the rest of the podcast. Yes. Um, This is quite an interesting quote from further on in that IGN article. When asked if there was a connection to his comic Twist and The Nevers, I'm honestly not sure what's happening with that comic, because everything got very funky around that time. Dark Horse were always like, oh, take your time, and then my time became insane. What happened was, yeah, there, there were a lot of stories that I was dancing around, and enough of them were Victorian, because I just love that era. I love that stuff. It's fascinating me. Particularly the end of the century, when the world was just about to shift radically. Those are always fascinating things to me. And so I realised at some point that I didn't want to tell a story about a person, that I wanted to tell a story that was, and this is going to sound like I'm puffing myself up, but Dickensian. That was like where I can talk about society as a whole through a bunch of people's interactions and through their adventures. And I just realised, oh god, I'm going to do it again. It's like I'm doing another superhero team. But yeah, that was the inspiration for me to go, alright, there's something bigger here. So I don't know yet if they cancel each other out. (laughs) Not quite as epic a quote as that one, but I think slightly more important if there was ever any doubt that joss is using this show as a platform to tell something bigger that quote uh, that was where i can talk about society as a whole through a bunch of people's interactions and through their adventures that should put the final nail in the coffin of any doubt that joss is using the nevers as a platform to put across his message it's not that bad for a creator to have themes they return to. That's right. what mm. they're interested in, and we want create we want storytellers to have interests. Um, it also kind of <laughs> like did you guys read um, Joss Whedon's run of Runaways of the, from like? You know, I didn't, but here's in the Brian K. Vaughan era. I really want to catch up on. Yeah, because he because you know the the first the first run is like you know who the Runaways are and everything, and they're in L.A. and stuff, and then. 
when Joss takes over it for a very short period of time, he immediately brings them to New York and then throws them through time into like 1895. And, <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> uh, you know, it's obviously it's just something Joss Whedon likes is this time period. And this was in New York instead of uh, the UK, but um, it was, you know, they met uh, uh, the Marvel versions of like classic newspaper characters, you know, like uh, uh, the yellow kid and stuff. Um, it's what he likes, and I I encourage it. I feel like as a writer, and I feel like everyone is a writer, if, even if they wrote in school or whatever, essays or anything, um, you do return to things, and that's not a bad thing as long as you keep it unique. And again, it's sad that I'm saying this in 2019, but you would think if, if someone was a longtime Buffy fan and if the world was more mature, how Jess probably thought it would, would be by now, um, you would think like, oh, Joss is doing another show led by women, but no, good. We need that still. So please, please repeat that because we still need it. And I mean, he's, it's not, he's, he's got a proven record of doing these shows with this style and doing them well. So I don't really see how in any way it's a bad thing for him to stick to what he's fantastic at. It's like, we don't get annoyed at musicians for always singing in right. the same style. Why should we be annoyed at directors for always kind of sticking to a similar thing? Yeah, similar type style as long as the characters the setting and the story are all unique why should it matter that you know he's telling a story that's about a group that's quite similar to a story he told a group about before if the settings are different the character the story is changed it's not like he's not telling the same story he's just doing it in a similar way and there's nothing wrong with that and what do you guys think about this i love how he said it feels more dickensian wow i totally said that wrong um but (laughs) Yeah, I I think that also makes it unique as well. Like, I feel like I I, obviously Buffy talked about society as a whole, but this feels more more focused on that society at the time. I think like while Buffy was obviously amazing, it was very much a product of its time. It was even then it was like, wow, this is the most (laughs) 90s thing that's ever happened. So I think taking it out of that era, even if nothing else had changed moving it away from the 90s in the valley already it's a completely new world literally so i, I think and the one of the quotes here where is it? uh particularly the end of the century when the world is just about to shift radically just hearing that everything we've read previously it's like he's clearly going for something quite grand here you know evoking charles dickens it's like these are these are big concepts to be dealing with. Yeah. He's, he's definitely got something major up his sleeve for this show. It feels like he's taken the time off from doing since, you know, his ignominious exit from Marvel. He's clearly been taking that time to build up his energy to make something that could well be his magnum opus. Yeah, because obviously after all the Marvel stuff happened, I was really sad as a Joss Whedon fan. But this makes it feel like it was worth it like worth waiting to see what he was going to do next. There was obviously a few projects that he kind of talked about, like that twist comic book. And I think there was something, I think he joked that he said he was writing like a musical, but then he, he stopped doing it because he said it sounded too much like Hamilton because that's all he was listening to. So, so you know, I've been really trying to pay attention to what he's been up to, but it feels worth it, like worth the wait, you know? Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> Our next topic is reimagining Buffy the Vampire Slayer with the original rumoured casting. Being familiar with these actors, how do you think they'd fit into the roles they auditioned for? How might they have played the characters differently? Are they better actors than the ones cast in the series? According to her 2000 biography, A Real Life Reader, before she was Dawson's Creek's Joey Potter, Katie Holmes was offered the role of Buffy Summers in the series, but turned it down to go to high school. Ryan Reynolds turned down the role of Xander, telling the star, I love that show and I love Joss Whedon, but my biggest concern was I didn't want to play a guy in high school. I'd just come out of high school and it was fucking awful. Bianca Lawson auditioned for and won the role of Cordelia Chase, but turned it down due to other contractual obligations. She would, of course, later be cast as Kendra the Vampire Slayer in season two of the series. And lastly, as I'm sure many people here know, Riff Reagan was cast as Willow Rosenberg in the non-broadcast pilot episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. The network later recast her and the role went to Alison Hannigan. So, 
personally speaking for me i've not seen katie holmes in a lot but what i've seen her in she's not exactly blown me away she's a she's a good actress but i think definitely sarah michelle geller was the right choice between the two i should, i almost yeah. wanted to interrupt and be like first of all how, how dare you for even suggesting that um, <laughs> yeah i mean and no offense to katie holmes like i like disturbing behavior um but you know <laughs> i love how dennis is laughing like like what Hick was reading <laughs> what Hick said earlier like are they better actors than the ones cast in the series like i feel like everyone can agree that they were just all perfect you know yeah and like i just think of katie holmes as such like um a sad like a a sad-faced actress <laughs> for i don't know a better way to she's a you know She's grumpy and she's sad and she like that's my interpretation of like her Joey character and she brings it to whatever whatever else she's been in uh, Batman Begins she's like I'm I'm sad oh yeah and then they replaced her with Maggie Gyllenhaal in Dark Knight yeah so yeah Katie Holmes yeah. kind of made a career out of being the first person they cast as a role before they get replaced <laughs> yeah and again she isn't bad but like I can't even picture anyone uh, else as Buffy sorry Christy yeah. Swanson yeah sorry. <laughs> to be fair she like she nailed it she was great in that film but i mean do we do we know why she didn't come across to the series oh i don't know i mean i think she aged out of the ca- character oh, right? yeah, at that point yeah <laughs> um, so yeah i mean that that's a show i would have watched but katie holmes as buffy no i'm sorry yeah i just i can't i just can't imagine her as buffy you know yeah i think it definitely would have been a very different series with her yeah I feel like Ryan Reynolds' personality is closer. Like, like I just recently, for some reason... I mean, I know why I did it, but I'm going to pretend it was an accident <laughs> or something. I, I rewatched Blade 3. And, I mean, I could see that version of Ryan Reynolds being Xander. I just think, man, like, if he was on the show, it would have been such a, like... This is another episode where Xander takes his shirt off and we see his abs again. <laughs> I mean, the thing is, did you ever see a film from, sort of, I think it was like the late 90s, early aughts, a uh, Van Wilder party liaison? Yeah. Uh, I know it exists, but I, haven't, I pretty, don't watch those type of movies if I can help it. I can sort of see him just transposing that character into Buffy and like seems like a great person in real life. He's Canadian. These are all big ticks in his favour. <laughs> I don't know why. I just can't see him as Xander. Yeah, I just think he would have had to have, by the necessity of who he is, been a much cooler version of the character. Mm. You know, yeah. and I think it would have like uh, pulled attention away from like Buffy and Willow. It would have been like, yeah, too big for the show, kind of. Which is kind of what Xander. Well, the question then becomes: Would it have been a terrible thing for Xander to be a bigger presence in the show? I mean, of all the original Scoobies, he's the only one that doesn't really do anything. They kind of, they give him lots of chances to be a bigger character. Like, there was the whole army man thing. But nothing nothing ever really happens from them. That's actually one point I would say in favour of the current Boom comics. It's from, like, issue three. Xander already has his own arc. Like, Buffy's the Slayer, Willow's a burgeoning witch, and then he's got his own thing going on as well. So he's not such a kind of forgettable character. I, I don't really think that could, that would have been a bad thing. But I'm not sure. I think Ryan Reynolds would have been a little too much. There's a fine line between being a bigger presence in the show and being too big of a presence in the show. And I think Reynolds would yeah. have been too big of a presence. I know I'm going to be like crucified for saying this, but I love Xander. <laughs> um, <laughs> he was actually my first favorite character. And then Spike happened, but <laughs> I, <laughs> but I, yeah, I, I love Xander and I love that he isn't too big. I think that's the point of his character. Um, I, I think it'd be too unrealistic if like, you know, Buffy was Slayer, Will's like a witch and then Xander's, I don't know, a warlock or something like, <laughs> and, and I love how, you know, even Oz is eventually like a werewolf. Like everyone kind of had their own little thing and he didn't. And I think that's like part of the tragedy of his character is how he could relate to all of them so i personally love that he isn't and 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 xander still has arcs obviously in some seasons a little more than others but he's just a very human element to it so i don't think ryan reynolds would have 
And consider, like, if it had been him and then the rest of the cast had been the same as it is now, I think there'd be a little bit of confusion of, like, well, why is Buffy all into Angel when her best friend has a (laughs) stupid handsome face also? Right, right. (laughs) Now, so there, I think that's definitely another one. That's another tick firmly in broadcast cast's column. This one, however, Bianca Lawson as Cordelia, I actually think could have worked. I would just pause here, Bruce, say, I love Charisma Carpenter. I love the character of Cordelia. And I think of all of the characters in all of the Buffyverse, possibly even all of the Whedonverse, her character has the best arc. Going from like Queen Bee to a higher power. Love every second of it. And I think um, Charisma Carpenter did a fantastic job showing the growth that character went through. But Bianca Lawson was also really cool. I think she could have given a really strong version of that performance. And it would have injected a bit of diversity into a very beige cast. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, that's not a bad thing either. I gotta admit, I looked at her um, IMDb and, you know, she's been on a ton of stuff. But not... You know, I've never watched Vampire Diaries or Teen Wolf, but I I hear she's good in those. But um, I kind of only know her as Kendra, so it's hard for me to really judge because it's like I know she in the show wouldn't have a fake Jamaican accent, but oh that's like <laughs> what her voice is to me. You know? No, I um I agree. It is hard to judge, but she definitely, as an actress, has this energy that that draws you to her. So I definitely could see her as cordelia and i would it's my favorite shirt it's me only shirt shirt. (laughs) (laughs) one of my favorite lines ever me and my sister quote that to each other all the time (laughs) um but yeah i I think she has the right energy for cordelia and i would love to see audition tapes because she was probably amazing in my opinion i i I can Mm. just see it so yeah joss if you're listening if you could put the audition her audition in the special features for uh, the nevers that would be fantastic that would be awesome slightly (laughs) off base but we'd like it her her and sarah michelle geller have good chemistry as well so i think we can all agree that's a kind of a hesitant tick in the air quotes original cast versus broadcast cast although i would say if bianca did land the role of cordelia I would like to have found another role somewhere in the Buffyverse for Charisma Carpenter because she was amazing. Just not Fred, because Fred will always be Amy Acker. My first thing, my first thing, because it wouldn't be a huge change, would be Harmony. But I did also really uh-huh. like uh, was it Mercedes, yeah. Mercedes McNabb. She was yeah. fantastic in that. So She's like, amazing. You can't really lose that performance because that was amazing. So I'm, I'm trying to think. It's like, well, she could, she could play, like, like who, who could she play? She could play Drusilla obviously not like Anya hell no like there aren't any major kind of not leave kind of recurring characters female characters in Buffy that weren't played fantastically that I could sub Cordelia for she could be Jenny Callender uh she's the same age as the actress who played Jenny Callender of course we're kind of missing a slightly obvious role she could have been dropped into which is Kendra (laughs) just swap the roles around I was gonna say that Lastly, the the most familiar of these forecastings, Riff Reagan as Willow. I mean, there's there's not really much we can say about this. Like, I think that that is a firm tick in Alison Hannigan's column there. Yeah, like nothing against Riff. She's she's been great in other things, but I I was not a fan of her take on the character. Yeah, I I forgot who said it. Maybe it was Jane. I think it was Jane that said that when Allison went into audition she had this kind of like sad line, but Allison found like the positivity in it. And she was the only one that did that in those auditions and that really informed Willow's character. And I love that story. And I think that's what, I mean, Allison does a million amazing things with that character, but like, that's one of them. Like she always says the lines so differently than you would, you would think they would have been said. And yeah, sorry, Riff. <laughs> yeah, very much like the chemistry between them was perfect. And they, had just, they straight away, they had that kind of, easy familiarity and the back and forth that you really need to kind of believe that they are friends and high schoolers and i, I can't really see the other i can't see katie holmes having easy dialogue with anyone yeah <laughs> or yeah i mean i know dawson's creek was like also a quippy a quippily written show but like i can't see her doing the that joss whedon style dialogue you know yeah 
Which is so interesting that she was offered the role, though. Yeah. You know? Who knows? Maybe she would have surprised us. So, our next topic. Our sources have told us that filming on episode one of The Nevers has wrapped and has been presented to HBO for approval. The second block of filming was meant to commence at the end of September. It hasn't. One of the actors on the series, that we won't mention for obvious reasons, tweeted that they're looking forward to getting back to work, whenever that will be. But Amy Manson has started sharing clips of herself fitness training for The Nevers. So they should be resuming, hopefully, by the end of the month. But the question remains, why the delay? Did HBO not like what they saw and have Joss rework it? Has editing on the first episode taken an especially long time? Did Joss decide to change up any of the other episodes and so had to devote time to rewrites and reworks? Who knows exactly what happened? If you do know, please let us know because we're really curious. I mean, I'd, I'd say it's it's not unusual for a show to have a break between pilot and the real first season. The thing that's weird about this is that it was a straight to series. It was already like it's already got its contract for straight to series, but you know, a break isn't that isn't that unusual. Um, there's always kind of a, a difference, or often a difference between like a pilot and the series. Like if you look at Twin Peaks, like the pilot is the first one filmed actually in Oregon. And then the rest of the first season is like, you know, composite locations that look like the, the real place. So I, I don't know. I just feel like anything could have, could have happened. Um, kind of makes me feel that they were told filming will start again at the end of September. And then it didn't. And they weren't told when it was actually going to start. So they're like, what's going on? The way I see it, there's two possibilities of why they haven't started filming. A happy one and a worrying one. I'll start with the worrying one. They showed the first issue, the episode, to HBO for approval and didn't receive it. Either they were told you have to fix things up or change things slightly. And they were like, this is great, but dot, dot, dot. You know, when you want when to carry on, do things differently. So then Joss had to scurry away, rewrite some things, change stuff and fix it to suit the notes he got from the network. The other happier possibility is that they recorded the pilot, took it to HBO, were like, hey, here's the pilot. And they were like, wow, this is amazing. Make it bigger. Here's more money. Here's more time. Take this and run with it. Do bigger things. So he had to go back and he's like, well, if, if, if I've now got an un- unlimited budget and time, if I, I can now do what I always wanted to do but couldn't do because I was restricted. So now we're blowing it right open. Yeah. And I, I mean, I'll say notes aren't always, you know, getting editing notes aren't always that bad. I mean, I don't think it's that a big, big deal, big a deal to like get some restrictions from the network, get some issues, you know, if they have some issues, get them sorted out. Do you guys think it's been enough time for them to have like a rough edit? I mean, I'm sure, you know, Lisa Lassick and if they have other editors as well, like I'm sure they were like pulling up all nighters to try to edit it as fast as possible. But yeah, I'm sure they have something. I mean, we know yeah. that they have all the scripts. So it, it's very possible. They showed them the first cut of this. So they're like, great. But, and he was like, oh, in this bit, this is supposed to happen. And they're like, oh, yeah, sure. And they keep on shooting. They're like, oh, in, in this bit, she's supposed to be shooting fine. Like, yeah, okay, it's fine. And they got to the They're like, it feels good, but it feels like it's missing something. And he's like, tell you what, I'll go away. I'll put the special features on. I'll put the fire in. I'll put the scary voices, crazy stuff. Then I'll show it to you again once it's more or less the finished package then you can decide so he went away fixed the first episode they've now shown it to them again and that's obviously that would, that would take a few but take a while so they kind of had to take a second shot at the approval process because they needed to add in special features and tighten up the episode to make it closer to what we'll actually be seeing because I mean, if, if the show is as kind of powers driven as it seems to be i can't really see how it would work with like, it's like watching Game of Thrones, but every time a dragon's on screen, it's just a green tennis ball. You're not going to get the same impact <laughs> yeah. when freaking Drogon shows up. It could be they showed the first cut of the edit and they're like, it doesn't quite work. He's like, trust me, once the fire's there and the voices and the scary, it'll be a lot better. So they've gone away, they put in the fires, they put in the voices, they put in the scary. Showing it again, okay, now it works. Now, but that, that then took them over their September 1st window and they had to push it back to a later date. Yeah, I'm sure everybody who is like an executive in HBO knows how to watch an effects show without the effects at this point. I mean, if there's some edit, I, I bet there's, you know, it's a similar thing happened with uh, Firefly where they rewrote Malcolm Reynolds' character after the pilot, right? And made him like not as dark. Um, there could be some, you know, character tweaks or who knows what. 
I mean, at least they care. You know, that that's the good part about this, you know? But it doesn't sound like like this actor, whoever they are, is saying, like, can't wait to get back to work. They're not like, oh, I'm worried about maybe not having my job. It seems like right, it's still right. on for the, you know, it seems like the series is still set to air and film. Right, and luckily, like, Amy Manson's still working mm. out, so. And we, um, we, you know, we still got people practicing fire breathing, as we covered with uh, Rochelle last, well, pod, the podcast before last. So, I mean, it, it does look like preparation is still being made. As we mentioned earlier, the the pilots, the leaked pilots from Buffy, the unaired Riff Reagan episode. It's it's one of the, it's kind of the the worst kept secret in the Whedon verse. It wasn't meant to air, <laughs> but somehow you know life finds a way. We've all actually seen it. It's on the YouTube's. Exactly. It's it, it's out there now. So I mean, well, what are our thoughts on that? Do you think do you think that if the show had gone ahead as it was there with the cast and the setup that it was there, do you think it would have gone as far as it did, or do you think it would have fizzled? Um, I mean, I know we just talked about Riff Regan, um, <laughs> so I think we can we can cut her some slack when we discuss this, maybe. But um, I mean, this is the um, this version of of the show was like a half hour more lighthearted version, and uh, you know the one thing, the other thing, the other main thing this this unaired pilot is lacking is the master, and I know never you know the master is not everybody's favorite, but it doesn't have a big bad at all. Like it lacks any kind of drive towards the monstrous. Like the, the vampires in it are so like, you know, they're just the putties to use a power Rangers reference. <laughs> and there's like, ah, the putties. you know, no, no big bad at all. So, uh, I think even if we give everything else in the pilot, a pass, even riff, you've got a pass this time. Don't worry. <laughs> I think you made an excellent point there that there, there was no master. There was no push. I think what was so great about that pilot was you could just watch that and you already have a perfect grasp. You know what the season roughly is going to be about. You know the big bad. You know the sort of important characters, except for the one that doesn't make it out of the pilot, but that's his fault. He sucks anyway, so who cares? (laughs) Like, um, you know, in the first season, Buffy is not sure if she wants to, you know, her struggle is whether whether to continue being the Slayer or not. And she's always pushed to do it because the master is there. And mm. at the end of the unaired pilot, she's like, ah, I'm the slayer, I guess. But we don't really know why, like, there's, you know. There's no drive, no MacGuffin. Yeah, yeah. you need that MacGuffin, man. Um, the shout outs I will give to the pilot, and, you know, obviously I just rewatched this, so they're fresh in my mind, is I really like the set for the library they use in that one. They gave the library um, some stairs, which I see why they cut it, because it is kind of weird to watch Giles try to give his monologue while walking up and down spiral staircases, but it like just makes that set so much bigger. I do like spiral staircase, so <laughs> and, I do miss that. Uh, yeah, it's pretty solid. And uh, I just think it's nice that Jonathan, Danny Strong, is in that pilot. Um, it's nice to see him, because he doesn't show up in the show until season two. Yeah. So. Do you guys think if that was the first real episode... Do you think it would have lasted? Like, is the no. writing still good? Is there something special or anything? I mean, there's charm to it. There's certainly charm. It feels more like a 90s rom-com than it does Buffy. And there's some things that are... I definitely, if you were a Buffy fan, recommend it because it's interesting. Like, Darla's in it. Um, she's unnamed, I think. But she gets straight up murdered by Willow because in this version, um, a cross can just melt a vampire. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. That would certainly have made a lot of the later fights much easier if you just be like boom cross suck yeah. it it's actually it's interesting because it's not an effects scene so it kind of happens off camera but it lasts a long time and you hear this like real burbly like real like Darla is melting off screen like blah, 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 blah. Whoa. and you're like oh no <laughs> and I love um, I love Julie Benz I I saw her in Dexter first I actually saw the first season of Dexter before I ever watched Buffy so when she popped up in the first episode, I'm like, oh, my God, it's Rita. Uh, I love her. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and also, I no Angel's idea. not in the pilot. Sorry, I forgot that. Oh, interesting. Yeah. It's kind of missing two of the parts that made the pilot so great. Angel's introduction and the master. Yeah. But, like, uh, you know, Harmony's in it. Cordelia's in it. So it's, it is interesting who is there and who isn't, you know. 
and it's like the same set because it's the same high school that it's filmed in, but they kind of lose use the locations a little differently. Definitely would have been a worse show, but it's just a fat, fascinating artifact for Buffy fans. Yeah, it feels like it's a setup for like a bunch of one-off episodes. Like, I don't know if the Hellmouth is even mentioned now that I think about it. Because the Hellmouth was one of those things when I first watched the first episode that really made me think and it made me click in my head like, oh, this is like the thrust of the show. This is how there's going to be limitless episodes. It's like they they are here in the Hellmouth. This is where things happen. You know what I mean? So that's so interesting that the Hellmouth and the Master weren't in the original pilot. Yeah, this Buffy lives in a much less threatening world. Yeah, there's, no, there's no Master, no Hellmouth, and <laughs> zom- uh, vampires melt if you just look at them wrong. Now it's time to check in with all of you as we open up the Nevers mailbox. If you have a topic suggestion or a question or comment for us about the Nevers, or anything else Joss Whedon related, tweet it to us or send us an email at theneverspodcast at gmail.com and we'll be sure to read it on an upcoming episode. Our first letter is from Jared. What other upcoming shows are you looking forward to? I'm excited for Amazon's Lord of the Rings series and all of the Game of Thrones spin-offs. That is a great question because there are so many amazing shows coming up. We're, we're sort of spoiled, really. Um, I could literally make a whole podcast just talking about shows that are coming out soon that I can't wait for. But I'm, I'm going to be nice and I'm going to restrict myself <laughs> to two. The two shows, other than obviously Nevers is number one. Doy, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't. But my number two and number three most anticipated shows... One, which is actually starting in less than a month now, and I'm climbing the walls waiting, is BBC's His Dark Materials. Yes. Oh my god, yes, yes, sorry. <laughs> I am such a fan of the original books. I love that first. It's one of my favourite kind of all-time young adult books. I read it when I was like 14, 15 when it first came out. Fell in love with the world. I am currently, as we speak, reading The Secret Commonwealth and absolutely loving it. Wasn't so hot on La Belle Sauvage, but... Secret Commonwealth, gold. So, I mean, here's that materials. Episode one, coming out soon. Can't wait. The cast for that show is amazing. Daphne Keane, James McAvoy, Ruth Wilson, Lin-Manuel Miranda. Yeah. Yeah. There's so many, like, just amazing people in that show. And it's such a brilliant story. And going by the trailers, they've they've nailed the aesthetic so perfectly. The only My only slight criticism is that the alethiometer looks really weird and stupid. But that's a <laughs> tiny, tiny little criticism. Can I, and IRX armor looks dumb. But yeah. Can I interject really quickly? So I was at the Comic-Con panel. I've never read the books. My really good friend was at the panel because like, that's her favorite books of all time. Um, so I kind of walked in halfway through the panel and I was like, I mean, I'll, I'll be here cause the cast is amazing, but like, not that I don't have any interest. Of course I'll watch it, but the panel was phenomenal. The writer, I believe it's Jack Thorne. I believe. I believe so. Yeah. Um, the way he was just talking about it was like so inspirational. Like I almost wanted to cry. Like it was just a beautiful panel. And then they announced that Andrew Scott is going to be in season two and yep. he is my everything. So <laughs> I've met him twice. He's the loveliest human being on earth. Um, so if I wasn't going to watch it anyway, of course I'm going to watch it now. And I'm currently starting the Golden Compass as we speak. Hey. Well, not as in recording <clears throat> this. <Northern> but... <laughs> Lights. <laughs> uh, one thing I would say, mild, mild spoiler warning. If they actually follow the books, Andrew Scott's going to be in it for maybe an episode. He's not a okay. long running okay. character. So you know, if you're watching it just for him, you're going to be disappointed. <laughs> no, luckily but, I'm also obsessed with James McAvoy, and uh, yeah, ah, but, he's gonna, hes a brilliant character. Oh, oh Lord Azrael, what a pimp! I'm Such excited. A great character and Ruth Wilson's amazing, and yeah, everyone's amazing. Yes. So luckily I am watching it for them as well. <laughs> good, good. But no, yeah, um, it's—it's going to be amazing, and the, the effects look phenomenal, and like they've i've what i've one of my big sort of bugbears with adaptions is when they screw with the story but for no real reason just because they can and they when they'd made the golden compass movie they moved a lot of stuff around and they screwed with it and they gave a really really poor cheesy ending when the ending of the book is one of the best cliffhangers i've read in years so I'm really and they've heard that Philip Pullman has been on the set has been instrumental with the making of the show and it's the BBC who I do trust for these kind of fantasy dramas and stuff like that so I'm hoping it's going to be quite 
accurate to the books and if they can really do that it's going to be amazing i think season three may come under fire from certain factions but season one and two should be pretty solid and should be met with uh a pretty good re- a pretty warm reaction so i'm very very excited for that number three season that i'm really looking forward to not sure when it's out yet but amazon as well as doing lord of the rings are doing an adaption of robert kirkman's invincible which is one of my all-time favorite comics in the same way that the walking dead kind of flips the the whole idea of zombie survival on its head invincible does the same thing but for the superhero genre and like it's just it's such a brilliant world and there's so much brilliant lore behind it it lasts for like 20 books so there's plenty to adapt and in the same way that uh his dark materials the cast the cast for uh invincible is ridiculous you've got um uh, Stephen Yuen, who people will know from as Glenn from The Walking Dead, J.K. Simmons, Sandra O, oh, Seth Rogen, Zazie Beetz, Mark freaking Hamill. And so far, all we know is that Stephen Yuen is playing Mark Grayson, a.k.a. the titular Invincible. And J.K. Simmons is playing Omni-Man, the superhero analogue that just also so happens to be Mark Grayson's father. And Sandra O oh is playing his mother. That's the only cast we know. It's animated. It's... It's a eight episode, 60 minute episode, eight episodes per season, 60 minutes per episode, animated, probably R-rated, because if you've read Invincible, you know it is properly gross. It is seriously <laughs> wrong. Like, imagine Walking Dead, but with superheroes, like, bad things happen all the time. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I, like, Amazon did a great job with The Boys, and I loved their Tick series, and I was so sad that it was cancelled. Oh. But they seem to be going all in on superheroes, I guess. One thing they're doing, which is quite good, is they're, they're adapting the superhero books, but they're adapting the ones that are kind of an interesting take on the show. They're not just adapting, you know, Avengers, yeah. Justice League. They're doing things like The Boys and Invincible that take a slightly kind of skewed view. Yeah, it's true. Everything they're doing is a, a superhero critique. I mean, The Boys, mm. hardcore superhero critique. The Tick always been like, a cruel parrot like i feel like the cartoon uh, the first version of the series people didn't get how like mean that show that that idea is towards superheroes you know it's very much like <laughs> like you know uh, and i think the amazon series did a good job of being like superheroes are dumb and jerks <laughs> they really are <laughs> it's, it's quite funny how similar the kind of basis between the tick and the boys is yeah but they just go about it in such different they're they're both the message of both is superheroes are dumb bastards yeah but they do it in such different ways they're both so amazing (laughs) like both ways are fantastic but i'm very very much looking forward to invincible and uh his dark materials actually oh then you mentioned it the Amazon Lord of the Rings series I'm also quite interested interested for because I was a bit worried when I heard they were making a TV series I thought it was going to be third day we're going to be you know, getting fucking Frodo and the ring and Gandalf again but then I heard that it's going to be apparently based in the second age and it's going to be due with the first war hmm. and kind of the build up to that and the, the creation of the ring and like Numenor and stuff so I think there's a lot of lore to be explored there that isn't in the third age and so it could be it could be quite strong but yeah so are you guys looking forward to anything particularly major i did not know that about the lord of the Rings series i also thought they were just going to redo the films but in as a tv show which i hate when things happen like that (laughs) so that's actually really exciting um just to piggyback off of jared the game of thrones spinoff at least one of them um i talked about rain a little bit earlier so toby regbo is an actor who's going to be in that game of thrones um prequel and he played young Dumbledore in Fantastic Beasts, The Crimes of Grindelwald. And the whole reason I wanted to check out the show Rain is because he's in it as well. And he's phenomenal. So that Game of Thrones prequel has him. It also has um, Jamie Campbell Bower, who's also young Grindelwald in Crimes of Grindelwald. And it's showrun by Jane Goldman, which we've talked about her in this podcast before. Yeah, she's like the best thing ever she's amazing um so i'm also really excited about that even though i don't like game of thrones so i'll probably watch that <laughs> what about you Dennis? uh i'm gonna throw in three um 
One for, uh, they're all maybe going to seem like out of left field for this podcast, but um, the first, uh, Snoopy in Space, um, coming out November 1st on Apple TV+. Plus. I think it's November 1st, actually. Um, it's uh, Snoopy um, teaming up with NASA and um, going off to space. I worked on it, so that's why I'm super pumped. I've Yay. not been able to talk about it for about a year. I hope folks enjoy it. It's a 12-episode uh, cartoon. And, uh, yeah, we, we worked hard on it. I hope uh, it's good. Um, and the other two I want to do shout-outs for are both based on graphic novels by my friend Chuck Forsman. Uh, who He's a friend of mine, and we were in the same graduating class from comic book school. But he has one um, that's returning for its second season called End of the Effing World. The first, I love that show. Yeah, the first season was, was really good. Um, I am shocked. It, uh, the first season ended where his book ends, so I'm shocked there's a second season, and I don't know where it's going to go. But I'm super happy to find out, and I'm just really happy for him for that. And then he's got another one coming out through Netflix called I Am Not Okay, or I Am Not Okay With This. And it's about a girl who, a teenager, who, solid teenager who has telekinesis. And um, the comic is drawn in uh, Chuck Forsman's Popeye style, his cigar style, and uh, it's really good and weird and um the show cast sophia lillis as the main character who's young beverly marsh in it and it chapter two um, love her yes she was my favorite i have actually watched it chapter one now and she was my favorite part about the film so she is brilliant so i'm i'm definitely signed up for both those shows because i love the first season of end of the fucking world isn't it it's a strange little show um the the it is, yeah. concept for folks who haven't seen it is basically a road trip with this teenager who thinks he's he might be a psychopath and he's traveling with his girlfriend who he's not sure if he likes or wants to murder and um <laughs> <laughs> then they you know they go on a wild road trip um <laughs> i've got to say when i saw I, I absolutely loved the first season binged it in one day loved every second I was a bit surprised when they announced the second season because yeah. the end doesn't really lend itself to more it's it's a good it's brilliant yeah, it's ending. kind of self-contained but uh yeah but it, do you know if he's was he worked on the second season with them or are they just taking his property and running with it uh he i don't know how much inner i don't know how much control he has or anything but he's been very positive about um the show and he's gotten to vi- he he lives in um, america but he gets to it's filmed in britain and he gets to visit the set um so I don't. He's not the showrunner of it, um, but he's been really positive about it. And one of the funny things I think the main uh, male character uh, doesn't look really anything like the drawing from the graphic novel, but looks a lot like a baby version of the the creator of the show, uh, <laughs> which is just like strange, possibly synchronistic casting that this happened. <laughs> All right, uh, so those are the shows I am interested in. And uh, please, folks, uh, check them out. See what I mean about there being just a limitless supply of amazing TV shows starting. But yeah, and there's still there's still two more emails to answer. So our second message from the day comes from Denise. For some of the character descriptions, it looks like we're going to be dropped into the Nevers well into the characters already having their abilities. There's probably only 10 episodes, so they don't have as much time as a traditional show to develop the overall story of the series. So it's probable. What do you think? Would you prefer to discover the powers at the same time they did? Or are you fine with this show, starting with at least some of the characters already having their powers? It's a great question there, Denise. And I th- we kind of covered this earlier. As I'm totally fine with them just dropping us right into the middle. I don't need to see another origin story. I'm more than happy to see the characters already with their powers already in as much control of their powers as they're probably ever going to have i wouldn't be surprised if maybe one character probably the lead isn't as much in control of their powers and we we sort of start the show's journey of them having their powers and learning about them over the course of the series but i'm more than happy with the rest of the cast knowing about what they can do and how to do it and being able to and just kind of dumping us right in the middle and seeing the final straw and then the you know it all explodes and everyone sets on fire yeah yeah i you know it's like in the first x-men movie you start with the x-men already being the academy already being established and you introduce rogue as your point of view character like it takes so much longer to like introduce all the x-men <laughs> and all of their powers 
And again, I feel like that's when they could use flashbacks or find interesting ways to have exposition about the characters. And yeah, exactly what you guys said. There, there definitely needs to have to be a characters that's in the audience's point of view, so we could kind of learn the world as well. So. Yeah, I, I don't know why I haven't even thought about the lead character being that character. I would love that. I don't know why I assumed in my mind that she would definitely have her powers already. But yeah, I would love it to be her. Well, it goes back to what we were talking about in, I think it was the third or fourth podcast, in that we've got pretty accurate descriptions of everyone's powers now, except the lead, who we know <laughs> nothing about. Yeah. So it wouldn't surprise me if kind of the the MacGuffin for the series or like the sort of the, the push that's the catalyst for everything is her developing her powers and then over the course of the season learning about them. It, it's, it's, a, it's a bit cliche, but I'm sure Joss can take that angle and just run with it and do something amazing. Our last message for the day is from Jay, who asks, when do you think we'll start seeing promotional images or teasers for the Nevers? I know the show is a long way out, but both film and TV studios have been releasing teasers and promotional material for their shows earlier and earlier to get the hype started even sooner. They are doing that, and it is quite annoying. It does slightly kill films for me when they release seven trailers before the film's even out, and by the time... That was was one of my main problems with uh, Age of Ultron, is by the time I actually sat down in the cinema to watch it, I felt like I'd already seen the film because there were so many freaking trailers. That said... I would kill a puppy for a teaser of the Nevers about now. I'm kind of hoping the reason they've t- they've left a bit of a gap between the first season and first episode and starting the rest of the season is because they're cutting a bit of a teaser trailer from just with clips from the first episode so they can show us that just to you know make us hate ourselves so that we can't watch it now. <laughs> yeah, I would almost think I don't know why I would almost think after they're done filming the whole first season then they would release something just to celebrate we erupt on season one and then they have like a promotional image or something yeah who knows with marketing (laughs) I mean marketing is so often like its own department that's so away from the creative that it's like impossible to predict like (laughs) but we do amazing advertising for the show (laughs) yeah yeah we do (laughs) There's, there's two things I know for sure one, since they've already got the first episode made, I'm sure they could at least release pictures of the characters in costumes. That wouldn't kill anyone. And two, for sure, 100%, the first promotional material that drops, the second it drops, we'll be back here recording, dying of nerdgasm over whatever it is they give us. We're already freaking out, and we have literally nothing to go on. The moment we have actual tangible proof be it character stills or please whedon a trailer or teaser we will be in here pouring over every second of that footage frame by frame breakdowns <laughs> literally though <laughs> to, yeah, to drag every morsel of information out of that so we can share it with you wonderful people at home you're not even exaggerating. <laughs> yeah. I'm not, you're not even a tiny bit. If anything, I'm downplaying how much we will destroy that trailer <laughs> the second it comes out. Yeah, even if there's if it's just a poster, I could see us being oh, yeah. like, but none of us have mentioned the bottom left corner. Look at that area <laughs> of shadow. <laughs> I mean, we did freaking quarter of an hour earlier on the 44 minute timestamp. <laughs> a picture will probably kill us. A hundred percent. So yeah. I think that'll do us for the day before we die of hype. Thank you all for listening and being part of the Nevers podcast community. Please remember to subscribe to our channel so you don't miss any episodes when they go live. Remember to rate us on iTunes as that really helps us grow audience. You can find us on hbothenevers.com and you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Just search at HBO The Nevers. And remember, you can always send us your comments, questions, suggestions, and concerns, anything Nevers or Whedon related, to the Nevers Podcast at gmail.com. Gina, Dennis, thank you for joining me today. Where can our listeners find you should they want to look you up online? So I should be more professional and I should have a website, but I don't. So follow me on Twitter at Gina Gemini. Gemini is spelled G-E-M-E-N-I. And I also have that same handle for Instagram. Hey, uh, I've been Dennis St. John. Uh, I am on Twitter and Instagram as at Dennis Comics. That's D-E-N-I-S-C-O-M-I-X. And that's also my dot com where you can find... um, 
uh, all of my comics for sale, including my new mini comic, Dennis St. John's Monster Club Comics, where if you buy it, you will also get a free membership card to my Monster Club, and I'll write your name in my book of blood. You can also find me just by searching my name. Uh, it's Dennis with one end and then St. John. And I'm doing stuff. I'm, I'm places. <laughs> <laughs> and I've been Tyke. I don't have social media because people scare and confuse me. <laughs> Thank you all for coming. And this has been The Nevers Podcast. And we're out. Yay. We, oh, damn it. If it, if it lasted 20 more seconds, that would have been a two-hour podcast. Very sorry, Matt. You're going to have to do some pretty extensive trimming. This episode of the Nevers Podcast was written, researched, produced, and edited by Matthew Yamanashi. The intro and outro music was produced by Jilirme Morais. We are more than just a podcast. We're a fan community. You can keep up to date on The Nevers and chat with other fans by visiting hbothenevers.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Just search HBO The Nevers, all one word, and click that follow button. Do you like what you hear on The Nevers podcast? Care to share your opinion? If you do, then consider leaving a review for the show. Your review helps us to reach new listeners and let us know how we're doing. Go on, it only takes a minute. The Nevers podcast is not endorsed by Mutant Enemy, Warner Media Entertainment, or any of its subsidiaries, including Home Box Office, HBO, and is intended for entertainment and educational purposes only. The Nevers and all names, pictures, and audio clips are registered trademarks and or copyrights of their respective copyright holders.